Welcome to The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want the truth about having a healthy, happy, strong body. Remember, your body was meant to move. Now here's your host, Stephen Sashen. If you are looking to improve your body in every way you can imagine, maybe working out is not the way to do it. We're going to find out more about that on today's episode of The Movement Movement Podcast, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, usually starting with the feet first because those things are, in fact, your foundation. We talk about the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the lies, flat-out lies that you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or play or hike or dance or do yoga or CrossFit, whatever it is you like to do, and to do it enjoyably, effectively, efficiently. Did I mention enjoyably? I know I did. Because if you're not having fun, please do something different so you are. And we call it the Movement Movement Podcast because we're talking about natural movement. Our goal here at Zero Shoes, by the way, I'm Stephen Sashin, host of the podcast and CEO of Zero Shoes. Our goal is to make natural movement the obvious, healthy, better choice the way natural food currently is. And it's a movement about doing that, which means it involves you. And all that means is, you know, like and share and review and give us a thumbs up or hit the bell on YouTube to make sure you hear about new episodes, et cetera. You know what to do. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please do subscribe. So we are joined today by Bart Potter. Bart, why don't you do me a favor? Tell human beings who the hell you are and why you're here. <laughs> oh, hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to say I'm a big fan of your shoes. <laughs> and I've been oh, wearing them for a long time. And also, I've really been enjoying your podcast. Lots of useful why? information. Thank you. And one of the reasons that we're here is that I've enjoyed your book, which I'm hoping at some point you will hold up and flash and point to. Oh, uh, yeah. I should have had a copy with me here. <laughs> oh, man. And I wasn't smart enough to have a copy. In fact, I think someone may have borrowed it. We have a nice library here at the office with a whole bunch of books about barefoot running and natural movement and uh, things like what you, obviously what you do. But uh, I have to check and see if it's checked out. Backing up a bit. So tell people who the hell you are. Sure thing. Yeah, have- my name is Bart Potter, and I've been practicing as an exercise therapist for over 20 years. And actually, before I got into exercise therapy, about 25 years ago, actually, the reason I got kind of dragged unwillingly towards this field initially at first was several years of chronic shoulder, upper and lower back pain. So I had no choice but to try to move in a direction where I could figure out what was going on to get me back on track. And I visited experts in sports medicine, physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, pain management, just spent a crazy amount of time and money seeking out answers to get back on track. Cause I'd gone from someone who was relatively athletic. I played college tennis. I did lots of the things that people like to do here in Colorado, ski and hike and all that good stuff. And I went from being highly functional to highly dysfunctional. So the point where I couldn't even use my shoulder very much anymore. I had to learn to write left-handed at one point. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So that was initially how I got, moving in the direction towards exercise therapy. And fortunately, I eventually met a mentor who was able to get me back on track with that. He was a guy who had that track record where people would come to him from all over who had been a lot of other places first, like me. And his techniques were so effective that he had that track record. He could just help one person after the next, after the next, pretty efficiently and easily get back moving in the right direction. How'd you find him to begin with? And can you mention who it is? Yeah, you know, just extreme luck. And for me, I I guess I was a a pretty complicated case, lots of trial and error. But eventually my mom had met this guy through a friend 
she said, hey, I think you should meet this guy. He sounds pretty smart. <laughs> and and that was it. So it, it did take a while. It wasn't like an overnight thing. Bam, you're fixed. But he knew the techniques and he had the insights to point me in the right direction. And at first, it was just me wanting to get better and move on with my life and forget about this portion of my life, basically. But then really, I became fascinated with how effective he was how effective the techniques were at helping one person after the next. So pretty soon I was like, Hey, I want to learn how to do this and teach it to other people. And so for over 20 years now, I've been refining and teaching the techniques I learned from my friend, Sean McCarver and using them to help my own clients. And then most recently incorporating that into the book I wrote called Jiffy Body which teaches people a 10 minute daily system where they can practice the same types of techniques and ideas that I learned from Sean. So just to highlight again, so this is normally something we do at the end of a podcast, but I may as well do it now. So if people want to find out about the book, Jiffy body, where do they go to do that? Yeah, they can go to my website. It is jiffybody.com. And there's two Yeah, Yeah. There's two F's there and uh, you know, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's pretty easy to kind of Google and look up. And just as a quick, a quick testimonial, I mean, it, it is a very simple and elegant little program and the book is, is very, how do I put it? It's like a really pleasant, comfortable, easy read. It's engaging. It's entertaining. It's personal. It's, it's really sweet. It was well done. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, so backing up, you know, the teaser that we gave inspired by you was that you don't need to work out to get your body functioning properly, working properly. Do you want to, can you say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think first part of that starts with a mindset that I've had even before I got into all of this. And a a lot of people might think is that no pain, no gain type situation. Mm -hmm. And, and that does draw people towards the gym and really aggressive, heavy workouts. And that could be fine. I mean, I like to work out as well for enjoyment. But the fact is, it's not a requirement to improve body function and performance. So like, and forgive me if I'm promoting my system a little bit, but there's very simple tactics you can learn to improve body mechanics for your whole body, similar to like your shoes, right? Like you figured out that modern shoe companies were over-engineering footwear and restricting natural movement. And that's created kind of like a straitjacket for our feet, you know, where they can't express themselves. Similarly, because of our modern environment, because we don't tend to move and use our bodies with variety like our ancestors did even 100 years ago, we've lost that natural movement. We've lost the ability to express normal joint range of motion, things like that. So what can happen for people is if For instance, you sit eight hours a day in your office. That's at least 2,900 hours of sitting in a year with your body kind of like I am in this couch in a restricted, confined position. And then when you get up and try to use your body, maybe for something more aggressively, you might encounter problems, right? So A, even working out aggressively in that situation could be dangerous. But B, if you can just improve body mechanics, allow for more natural movement, you're going to feel better and just basically want to use your body more. So the more you can use your body with variety throughout your day, and like you say, more natural movement, do a variety of activities with your body, the whole time you're creating your own resistance with gravity, right? That's why people who work in fields or, 
do manual labor, create their own type of resistance program that builds more muscle fiber, that increases bone density, that improves joint range of motion. You can get all of these benefits just by, you know, some people will really resent this when they say this, but you can improve by doing your chores around the house. <laughs> you know, that, that can be. Don't yeah. say that too loud. Exactly. I get some grimaces about that. But that can really improve body function, muscle mass, bone density, range of motion, flexibility, all of these great things just by, you know, moving it and using it. I just thought of a great new product. So we need to make a broom with like a 15 or 20 pound weighted yeah. handle. I think, I think that'd be good. Or like a, you know, a, a dustpan with a five pound dumbbell built into it or um, yeah, a towel for drying the dishes, like a heavy. So uh, Lane and I got a weighted blanket, which we really enjoy. So now we need like, you know, weighted dish towels. This is a whole new, this is a whole new business that we're thinking of right here. Before I jump in, I've got a couple of comments just about what you said, but before we do that, since you kind of set this up, is there, uh, and I know I'm putting you on the spot when I do this, but Hey, live with it. Um, so can you think of a movement thing that you could share with people now, either to help them experience anything, whether it could be how they may have some restriction that they could be, that they could alleviate or just something that they could do that, you know, feels good instead of, you know, pointing out something problematic, anything that you want to offer to people. Yeah, absolutely. I could do two, even if you want, I could do one for All one. right. Well, I only, I only asked for one, but if you're going to throw in a bonus, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah. Two for the price of one. So the first thing is that people love this one, actually, and I'm sure you're going to be familiar with this because you're so knowledgeable about foot and ankle function and all of that. But this is one I teach my clients in the, in the book as well. So using the couch actually can be very useful for beneficial practice positions. So I'll lean back here. So hopefully you can see my foot and what I'm wearing too, by the way. <laughs> I, I can see the tip of your toes. Oh, okay. I'm wearing my zero shoes. If I lift my foot, there we go. Yep. There, there it is. So what you're going to do is, and if you draw a circle really slowly with your foot, yeah. And the slower and more perfect circle you draw in both directions, the more you're going to activate some muscles called your peroneus and tibialis muscles which by the way, are also very impressive words to use on a date. <laughs> I don't know who you date, but okay, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're practicing, A, you're practicing joint range of motion, which is beneficial. That's not something we do during our day a lot. But B, by activating those muscles, they're like straps on a Roman sandal that go down your lower leg and attach to points underneath your foot. And that's what gives them leverage to create stability as you're walking forward. So what you want as you're walking is like a smooth tracking pattern. So you don't want excess lateral vibration in your foot if you're going to walk forward smoothly. And so that's just one of the benefits those muscles provide. So, yeah. Well, I was just going to say what was really interesting, and I want to highlight this for people, is going as slow as you can because then you start to, at first, you find these little glitches yeah. along the way and then they yeah. start to work themselves out. So there's an interesting neurological thing going on there. And then especially then you reverse it. And then what's fun, wait, hold on, I gotta do it. What's entertaining, do you recommend, I'll ask it this way, do you recommend people start with their dominant or non-dominant side? I think gonna do the key thing, as long as you're practicing both, because like what you mentioned there is, is really important. It's self-diagnostic. Just by doing this stupidly simple practice position, right? You can notice where your weak point is in your range of motion. 
And sometimes for people, it can be pretty dramatic. They're like, whoa, that portion of the circle is not good. (laughs) And what they'll notice as they practice is they can draw better circles. And that means you're getting better lower leg, ankle and foot function. Yeah. The reason that I ask about dominant versus non-dominant, and and you don't have an opinion about it, nor do I at the moment. But what many people will find is when you practice with one side, then the other side at first feels awkward because you've already kind of gotten the first one in the groove, but usually improves faster than the second one. This is like an idea from Feldenkrais where it's like start with the good side and then the bad side comes along. Or it's what happened for me with my first barefoot run when I got, or my second one actually, but my, my first one, I got a blister on the ball of my left foot. So my second run, I was thinking, let me pay attention to the good side, the one that didn't get a blister and see if the quote bad side comes along for the ride. And it did, it figured out, I kind of, by paying attention to the good side, the bad side figured out how to change itself. And I want to emphasize, figured out how to change itself. I wasn't consciously doing anything other than paying attention to the good side. So like, again, you know, doing a really slow rotation, this sort of attention is more important than the speed or, or, you know, just getting around. It's not just about. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, Cause initially when I show that one to people, they want to do it really fast. (laughs) Right. Right. But that's absolutely correct. The more they focus kind of that mindfulness part of the practice position and really drawing a slow, really good circle you can, re- then you're really going to feel these muscles activating a lot more yeah. these pony, and they'll be like, Oh, that's where they are. Cause you'll feel them. <laughs> yeah. There's, it's so funny. Funny. You start with that because I don't know how it happened. I was just, Oh, I know what it was. It was one of these, you know, people do amazing things, videos that I was watching when I was trying to get to sleep the other night. Yeah. And it was a guy who on a whiteboard drew a perfect circle, freehand drew a perfect circle. So I love that we're doing foot circles. And he draws a perfect circle and it was in a classroom and the whole class goes crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, okay. So you promised a bonus two for the price of one. What's number two? Absolutely. The second, so it deals with upper body and it deals with counteracting one of the main causes of dysfunction for our bodies and that's sitting, right? Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned earlier, all those hours of sitting we can do every year, myself included. And so when we're sitting at our computers and steering wheels in our cars, and even in this couch, it's really easy to slouch, right? My shoulders, instead of being externally rotated, I'm at my keyboard. This isn't an exaggeration, right? You can see my shoulders internally rotating, right? So for people who are listening, so internally rotating, the easiest way to think about that is if you outstretch your arm in front of you with your palm up and then rotate, not just your arm, but sort of like rotate everything, including your shoulder in. So your, if your, your thumb is rotating counter, your right thumb is rotating counterclockwise, left thumb clockwise, then sort of really exaggerate the shoulder part of that. That's internally rotated. And if you go the other way, your thumbs are starting to point out. So you're rotating your right hand clockwise and left hand counterclockwise. (laughs) Especially if you kind of pull your shoulders back a little, that's going to be externally rotating your shoulder. Yep. Yep. So, so that's the first part of wanting to explain. The second thing that happens when we're sitting is these upper front muscles will tighten and shorten, right? So you could think of your muscles as like cables that support a suspension bridge. You got your suspension bridge. Let's say the cables are tighter on one side of the bridge. That's going to make the bridge lopsided and cause structural problems for the bridge, right? It's not going to stand very long. (laughs) And similarly, we have these muscle cables that support our body bridge, which consists of our bones and joints. So in this case, if these cables are getting tighter and tighter, because we're always like this, you know, hunched over our computers and in our cars, over time, these are going to shorten 
upper and the upper back are actually going to overstretch, which mm. gets into the whole idea. Some people are like, well, isn't it good to stretch everything, you know, or some people might not say that either, but what happens in this scenario is tight and short on upper front and overstretch on upper back. That's what we're practicing eight hours a day, 2,900 hours a year. So this is another stupidly simple position to counteract internally rotated and upper front muscles that are shortened and these are overstretched. So to describe it a little better, what you're going to do Sorry, is wait, open. I, hold on, hold on. I just like that, that you made a point to talk about, you know, peroneus, but now you're referring to the upper pec as the upper front. So yeah. um, clearly these are two totally different dates that you're on. One for people who think, that, you know, they'll be impressed if you know a muscle they don't know about. But yeah, then, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> or someone would be like, oh, you're just full of yourself. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too much. <laughs> so the movement is that's a good point i tried to in the book you know and sometimes i diverted from that but i tried to you know make some of the ideas as simple as possible and this was one yeah. of the upper front muscles right <laughs> so to practice this position what you're going to do is you're going to open like you said open for people who ever saw that show a long time ago, was it Happy Days? Fonzie, right? Was the thumbs yeah. out? Is that right? It was. It was. <laughs> so it was the thumbs are. Hold on, it's a really interesting point. Maybe it was. Yeah. When he, yeah, he, when when Fonzie was doing thumbs up, it wasn't straight up. It was a little out. It was a little externally rotated. It was a little out. I, I never yeah. thought about that, which is completely insane. Yeah. So the more you turn your thumbs up and then out, so you're kind of turning your palms directly up towards the ceiling, essentially. And then the next part of it is I'm pulling my arms straight back. So you could, during your day, let's say you've been sitting for a couple hours, right? You could get up and do this practice position to counteract what you've just been practicing at your computer for two hours. And so when we're trying to create better muscle balance, it's really simple. All we're trying to do lots of times is practice the opposite of the repetitive thing that we've been doing for a lot of the day. So if we've been this way, internally rotated, shorter upper front, now we're going to practice external rotation, stretching upper front and actually shortening upper back. It's the opposite. How do you, how do you feel about adding resistance to things like this, like using a rubber band or, you know, if you're, or yeah. if you're a cable machine, do it using weights in some way? Absolutely. And so I'm definitely not against working out. I guess the only point I was trying to make earlier is that you don't have to do it. You, if you improve right. body mechanics, you can move around and do lots of things to gain those types of benefits outside of the gym. But yeah, I like to work out and that's a great exercise you're talking about to do where you're like, you have a cable, right? With some weight and you're pulling towards you and you're squeezing essentially and tightening these upper back muscles. Because these muscles up here are the counterbalance for all of your arm and shoulder movements. So right. every time you're moving and using your arm, these are working to keep the shoulder stable and functional. It's interesting. So I was an all-American gymnast way back when. I don't know any gymnast who makes it out of that without bad shoulders, right. and or at least at least one. And when I first got diagnosed as needing a rotator cuff repair 25 years ago, and I put it off until three years ago. And, you know, I've had limited mobility. If I tried to put my hand behind my back, I could barely do it with my injured shoulder side, which is my right side. And then I don't know where I got the idea. A couple of years ago, I just decided to start doing a whole bunch of chin-ups. 
And so I put up chin up bar. Lane and I, we have our, our second bedroom is our TV slash guest room. And then there's a bathroom off it. So I put a chin up bar in the doorway to the bathroom. So obviously I went in and out of it, you know, a dozen times a day. And every time I went in, I would do just like five chin ups. And I really emphasized that what you just said, that really working on the upper back rather than thinking of it as a bicep exercise. And I wasn't, I didn't, I don't know why I thought to do this. It wasn't, I wasn't thinking of it as a rehab thing. It just, I just had the idea. I want to do more stuff. And what I noticed is that my upper back started getting stronger. My shoulders started moving into a different position and I started getting more flexibility from building the strength back there, which is yeah. counterintuitive. Uh, you know, well, most people would think it's counterintuitive. It makes sense given what you just said, but it seemed odd that I was getting more flexible by getting stronger. Yeah, that is super cool. And that speaks to just the desire and openness to try a variety of movement too. Sometimes you could be surprised by incorporating variety, the benefits that that can create for your body. Well, you just did it in two. Well, and to to that point, I I got into something about six weeks ago. I've owned some kettlebells for a while. I use them mostly for just doing kettlebell swings or doing single leg deadlifts. But then I, I got inspired to try an actual kettlebell workout. And I'd never really done one before. And it's a whole bunch of really unusual movement patterns that it's not like going to the gym by any stretch. I'm not doing bicep curls. I'm not doing tricep pushdowns. I'm not doing bench presses. I'm not doing any of those normal, those quote, normal things. And yet my whole body is acting as if I have, I mean, the most interesting to me is what's happening with my biceps. And it's interesting because I'm not doing any exercises with the kettlebell that involve bending and flexing my arm in any way that's against resistance. I mean, basically the only time I'm bending my arm, if you're doing for people who are into kettlebells, a kettlebell clean, but you know, that's kind of weightless. It's not like I'm pulling and doing resisted bicep work. Most of what's happening is actually just Uh trying to hold this thing, hold the kettlebell without it flying out of your hand. And so it's, so there's, it's fascinating to see, like I'm not doing any bench press stuff, but it's affecting my chest. I'm not doing any, you know, fill in the blank. I'm not doing an exercise for that body part. And yet that body part's being affected or not doing the normal exercise for that body part. So the new movement pattern thing is really interesting to me lately. Yeah. And it's fun too, right? Feels different. It's really satisfying. It's also really annoying at first because until you kind of figure out how to do things correctly, you're banging a giant metal ball into your forearms. But once you kind of figure out the technique, it becomes pretty effortless, which is really enjoyable. Yeah. It sounds cool. So when people come to see you, what are they typically coming for? How do they find you? Oh, clients or readers? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Both actually. Both. Yeah. I would, you know, uh, one, one thing I do with my website that I'm really enjoying doing is I do, you know, like a blog, I do a monthly email tip. And so my website's definitely the resource jiffybody.com. But why do you, what do you think, how do you think people are bumping into that? I mean, it's not, you know, people like to think that the internet is an, if you build it, they will come thing, which is yeah, not the case. So, you know, either a, how are they finding you or what do you think they're looking for when they find you? Yeah. And, it, and it, you're, you're absolutely right. For me, it's all through initially direct interaction, either working one-on-one with people. I also do public speaking with larger groups of people. I've worked with smaller companies, working with employees. The tactics are really useful for preventing repetitive use problems in the office. So yeah, for 
no one's just finding me out of the blue. <laughs> it's all initially through direct interaction. You know, I help one person. They're like, hey, you should, you know, talk to Bart. Or, you know, I go talk to a group of people and people are like, hey, this is simple and it makes sense. <laughs> but in, and that's a cool thing I, I really like about what I teach is it's super simple to the point that sometimes people learn this and they're like, yeah, that's just logical. <laughs> it's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Or I like to say humans have been wearing footwear for since they've been human beings. And uh, what we talk about is not rocket science. Or as they said, thousands of years ago, it's not rock science. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying to think, so we talked about the angle bit and lower leg. We've talked about the upper body. What else, you know, what are the other things that people come to you for that you may have some insight to share that can yeah, be you know, useful? Absolutely. Initially, most of my clients are body issues like aches, pain, stiffness, swelling, nerve impingement, and joint problems. That's one part of it. And then the other part, which I, I really enjoy working with, is people who just want better performance. So it could be an athlete who wants to improve function while they're playing and also to prevent injuries. And so, and it could just be people who want to keep doing their favorite activities, right? So it could be someone like you, you're a sprinter, right? So you're motivated to do things so you can perform at a high level. So I could have an athlete like that, or it could be a grandparent who wants to be able to play with their grandkids on the floor. (laughs) Well, this is going to sound silly, perhaps, to some people, but do you treat those two different groups of people differently, or are they basically the same kind of thing, just with different applications? They are. We are are all kind of the same kind of thing in one sense. There's three main principles I teach people. One is to improve muscle balance. One is to practice and improve joint range of motion if it's lacking. And the third is to identify and improve weak points. So someone who's really highly functional might be further ahead, right? They might have, you know, more complete, better range of motion for all their major joints and and muscle groups, but the same principles benefit everyone. But yeah, you kind of have to tailor it to the individual. You know, going back to the very beginning of our conversation and just the teaser about working out, it occurs to me that one of the problems that I see with people who do work out, whatever that looks like, whether it's doing CrossFit or just weightlifting or even yoga, I see people who are, how do I want to put this? Either they have, or they adopt bad movement patterns because they're just trying to like get the reps in or that they just don't even know what good form looks like. And so they, and there's like subtle things. I'm going to use bench pressing as an example where most people don't think about or most people, when they think about bench pressing, just think about pushing, just think about basically doing a push up. But if you're going to bench press really effectively, the first thing you do, and this comes back to something else we were saying is pull your shoulders back and squeeze your, try to squeeze your shoulders together because that makes your shoulders more stable. It shortens the range of motion. It makes you much stronger. And many people, when they think about bench pressing, they imagine the bar coming up, you know, near their clavicle. And when the bar touches your chest, it should be sort of like nipple level, which seems odd because it seems farther down, but like, those two little cues. And then what you do with your feet actually is really important for bench pressing also. So there's like three little cues that if you give people can make them quote instantly stronger. And what that yeah. really means is you're putting yourself in just a better biomechanical position, but because they just, they don't know that haven't looked at that. They have the idea that they, you know, look, how hard is it to push something? I know how to push something. So either they develop a bad pattern or they do, you know, they'll do too many reps and start to get tired and try to get that last rep out and all hell breaks loose. 
or they have some imbalance or some some problematic motor pattern to begin with that just gets exacerbated by doing something that that's that kind of activity. And people just don't know that there's different things. When I mean, do you find people getting resistant to the idea of? Uh, I mean, with with your work, I'm going to refer to it. Uh, I'll say it this way: it's not accurate, but just for the fun of the, of this part of the conversation, do you find people like have a hard time adjusting to the doing less phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think yeah, there is definitely that desire, and, and it's I'm sure more common with people who go to the gym that in that mindset, you have to work harder to improve, just work harder or hurt more, (laughs) you know, that pain being involved with it. But like what you pointed out with the upper back and how just creating a stronger back is going to make you a better bench presser is, you know, a a really great solution to that. Like, and the guy I learned from actually initially was a, he played in the NFL and he was a super heavyweight power lifter. (laughs) Oh, what a riot. So, and unfortunately he's no longer living, but I, I remember him talking about powerlifting moves all the time, in particular the bench press and talking about how people neglect to train their back and they want to get better yeah. at the bench press and it's, they're, they're fighting themselves. Well, there, there's another, another counterintuitive one from lifting. There's another counterintuitive weightlifting thing that I didn't know for years, which is people who get a weightlifting belt, they think that the idea is, you know, make it really tight and that that's somehow providing support. But the reality, just for the fun of doing this for people who, who wear a weightlifting belt, who don't know, the whole point of the weightlifting belt is not to hold you in, but so that you have something to push against when you're squatting or deadlifting so that you're creating a stronger core by pushing out instead of trying to suck something in and, you know, create some kind of support from wearing a belt. It's like, it's really just a cue to make everything around your entire body, front and back, more solid when you're doing something like squatting or deadlifting, because it's something that people tend to forget. They think about the weight. They don't think about what's the most important piece that's going to then move this. So weightlifting belts are, you know, again, people mostly use them upside down as they make it really tight instead of pushing against it. I know I've said that now six times. So I love the fact that he came out of a powerlifting background because boy, talk about a place where you need to figure out how to be the most efficient. I mean, that's, that's it. It's not just strong. It's, it's strong in exactly the right way. Some of those guys are amazing. Absolutely. And even things that people wouldn't normally associate with better strength or even necessarily function. Some athletes might not do this, but if you can just train your stabilizers in your shoulder, mm-hmm. you're going to have a more stable ball and socket joint, which means you can drive forward better. Just like with that one with the feet, you can create a smoother tracking pattern by activating these peroneus and tibialis muscles, and you can drive forward more effectively. And sometimes those, those are the little things that people overlook. It could be an athlete that may not think on that level, like how do I create better joint stability and stabilizers? Or it could be someone much older. Lots of times you might think that it's just impossible, right? They, they right. can't have a better function. Maybe they're too old and they, they just can't do it, you know? But sometimes the solution can be just so simple that once they learn it and practice it, they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is easy. You reminded me, I met these two women, they're twins who were in Cirque du Soleil and they created a training program based on what they were doing in Cirque du Soleil that was all just about that upper back and just, you know, getting those shoulders back in position and and working on all those stabilizer muscles. Cause they found similar to what you've been talking about that so many of the Cirque du Soleil athletes 
came in with and just you know did whatever it took to get through the move but they didn't have a stable structure to do it. So that's why they were seeing really, really high injuries. And so they they created this whole program to basically try to make you as bulletproof as possible for the incredibly demanding schedule and just the the, the demands of these amazing activities that these Cirque athletes were doing. And you would never think that these people at the top of their game are walking in essentially with a bad foundation to begin with, right. but that's what they were seeing. And then they created this whole program. I, I hadn't thought about this. I met them, geez, this was 20 plus years ago. I hadn't thought about it in quite a while. Yeah. I found the same thing, you know, that sometimes people are really surprised. I can walk them through. It's a really easy 10 minute system that I teach, right. To improve body mechanics, essentially. And I can take them through roughly 17 to 20 practice positions. And I can tell them what, is hurt or where their injury was, they don't have to tell me a word. I could just guide them through the system. And afterwards I can go, Oh yeah, your shoulder or your knee or whatever it is, because they sometimes they're like the best athletes in the world. Right. But they might not have some of that information that could really benefit them. And it's easy to improve. So give me an example of, of like, you know, walking somebody through something through the program and what you see and how they respond. And of course, the magic question that I imagine people are asking is, you know, can you self-diagnose this and do it on your own without you watching? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the intent of the system. It's like self-diagnostic, kind of like a 28-point inspection for a car, right? Before you race it around the track, you want to find out what the weak points are on the car and tune it up. Similarly, with this system, people can walk through, you know, the practice positions and feel the difference, kind of like you were mentioning from one side to the other, whether it was a dominant side or not. Okay, so this is one of the practice positions, another really easy one. I'm practicing rotation to activate my rotator cuff muscles that keep the shoulder stable, right? Yep. So this is a really simple one I've shown people before. It could be, you know, someone incredibly strong and they might notice they have restricted range of motion in their left shoulder. <laughs> they might go, oh, wow, I can't externally rotate as well on my left side. So already they've identified a weak point. They're like, oh yeah, and this is the shoulder I hurt five years ago. It always correlates past injury to restricted range of motion. So it's very easy to walk through the system and go, oh, okay. Same thing with the toe circles. One ankle has restricted range of motion. That was the one I turned, you know, on a pothole, you know, however long ago, because you know, usually what happens when you've had an injury or even kind of a minor injury, the body will compensate and gather restrict motion in that area. I noticed a thing that especially like I used to do a bunch of long meditation courses. And I used to notice that after a few days, it was my right shoulder was the one that was out of whack. But what I noticed is that most attention was in my upper back on the left side because it was like trying to hold everything in place from the other side. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and that was the first time I discovered that was shocking that my left side was tighter than my right when it was my right side. That was the one that was all out of whack. Yeah. That, you know, that, that kind of brings up the point too, when you try, even like sit, you were sitting like that for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Even that's like a repetitive activity, right? Trying to hold, you're kind of yeah. pushing your body, right? To hold this position, which can be really hard. So that can kind of be a beautiful thing, though. When you try different movements, you gain body knowledge because you'll notice mm-hmm. oh, this one part is not working as well as the other side. And why is that? <laughs> well, that's an interesting point you just made. And you alluded to it earlier. And, and 
we, for whatever reason, you know, we stop playing as we get older. We stop trying all these new things and we, we lose a certain kind of, I don't mean flexibility in the, can you do the splits, but just sort of flexibility in the opportunity or the options that are available to us because we haven't played with them. We haven't tried them. We haven't used them in a while. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I don't really even have a, a fully formed thought. I mean, I'm having a good time now learning how to do kettlebell things. Sprinting, of course, is a whole new game. There's an archery range down the street. I went and did some target shooting, which I hadn't done since I was, oh my God, I don't know, 12 or something. Yeah. And just learning all these new things. I always find it really entertaining. But I also know that even with the things that I'm doing, there's probably a giant list of movement patterns that I'm unaware that I'm unaware of that I haven't done. And I don't even know that there are possibilities. And I'm, I keep thinking of, you know, I mean, what your program kind of opens up people to some ideas of some of those movement patterns, but I keep thinking, A, what does it take to get people to discover these and be able to use them and enjoy them? And it's something I asked somebody a while ago, like, imagine if to graduate high school, you had to be able to do a round off back handspring or a cartwheel, or, you know, something that's just like, that's not a normal movement pattern something, and maybe there's, you know, 10 different things that you could pick, but you have to demonstrate some sort of proficiency in learning some new and unusual movement to graduate high school. You know, so I think about the, what happens as we grow up, what we are presented with and aren't presented with. And then as we get older, how we tend to get more limited and what to do about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's our Modern lifestyle, too, in a way, is really what starts to close us in because it's so we don't have to move for survival, right? So the more sit and hey, this couch is great, but we spend a lot of our life sedentary and we don't have to have variety of movement for survival. And the way it goes is generally the, the less you use variety of movement in joint range of motion the more likely you are to lose joint range of motion. And when you lose joint range of motion, you're more likely to have body issues like aches, pain, stiffness, swelling, nerve impingement, and joint problems. So the big problem that happens for us, even if someone suddenly decides, hey, I want to go do all these fun things, they might have created a challenging situation with their body to be able to get out Mm -hmm. and do those things without having problem. (laughs) Well, this is the fundamental problem is that our brain's idea of what our body is and can do is completely different than reality. Um, Especially, especially as we get older. I mean, in, in my head, I'm still basically 25 to 32, somewhere in that range. And then I go, you know, work out or, you know, do the kettlebell thing or whatever it is I'm doing and find out that no, I'm pretty solidly 58. (laughs) (laughs) Which is I was going to say, what's cool is you're pushing yourself or you're pointing yourself in a direction where you're challenging your body and you're still doing that variety of movement and it's really beneficial. And you might bump up against a wall here and there, you know, but super beneficial. Well, I like to, you know, I have a thing. I used to have a note that I wrote on my wall that said distrust symmetry. And of course, the two words were in different fonts. And I try to be hyper aware of where things get into patterns, where things get stuck or in a loop. So I noticed years ago, you know, how I put on my pants, whichever leg I used first, I don't even remember anymore. I, for a while ago, I I noticed, you know, which way I crossed my arms and I started practicing crossing them the other way. And I realized just now I don't remember which one is my (laughs) preferred one. 
And when I'm sitting, I'm constantly changing that. And a lot of people, if they're watching, watching me changing, which way I press my arms, try it because most people can't do it. I'm not trying to show off or anything. It's, yeah, just, yeah. You know, it's just, we don't, we don't do it. I play with different ways of, I, I sit on the ground a lot and I play with different ways of getting up off the ground just because I, you know, I just notice for whatever reason, when something gets too familiar, I do this with thinking as well. But with body stuff in particular, it just gets too familiar or I just get kind of curious at some point for reasons that I don't understand. And the learning new things is is both fascinating and annoying because we know that when you're going to go to learn a new thing, you're going to be uncoordinated and yeah. feel like a moron. And, you know, we don't like doing that, but that's just what the sort of effect of trying to lay down new neural pathways. But, you know, it's like, if you can get through that initial awkward phase, then it's super fun. And I've been thinking about, I can't remember what I was thinking lately, just a handful of activities. Oh, that I imagine try wanting to try that are new movement patterns. And this is going to sound crazy. And a lot of people, there's some people who aren't going to like this at all, but I'm, I'm going to say it. I've been totally fascinated with the idea of learning how to fire a sniper rifle. <laughs> And which is the opposite of of a lot of moving. It's, you know, trying to get as still as possible. I'm not looking to shoot anything or anyone, yeah, yeah. but the idea, but you know, the, it's such an intent, it's such an amazing practice and the, you know, whatever kind of control it takes to do that or opening up and relaxing that it takes to do that, to shoot a target that's a mile away, yeah. you know, that strikes me as like a really interesting it's like the exact opposite of, you know, learning to tap dance or swing right. kettlebells or whatever it is. But just, again, I'm, I'm, I get really interested in, you know, some new thing that seems completely out of whack. I think maybe I got the idea after watching American Sniper, the sitting there for hours and hours and hours, just waiting and trying to be alert. That does not seem at all interesting, but the idea of mastering something that precise, I mean, that's really what that's all about is fast. And I guess I just, I just realized I was, I was saying this. In my brain is not precise. I keep piles of things everywhere. I, I don't. I'm not well organized. But all the things I like to do physically, typically, are very precise. Sprinting, very precise. Archery, target shooting, even lift, weightlifting, very precise. So it's. This, I think it's an interesting dichotomy that my brain does one thing, my body likes something completely different. Right. Right. Well, and the good thing is you have this motivation. You enjoy these activities. And that's what's pushing you out there to use your body essentially. And that's a key ingredient I find with people who are successful, who I'm teaching the system to create better body mechanics is initially, let's say they just have aches and pains and they want to get rid of them. Right. And they yeah. do, and they're able to feel better. Well, that's great, but that's not enough motivation to keep practicing and improving body mechanics or right. get out there and use their body. And that's what the key thing is long-term for dramatically better body function is to work a little bit every day on your body mechanics, but then get out there and do fun activities like you're doing essentially. And that's a really good formula for success. What's been really satisfying with zero shoes is of course that everything we're saying is what I say applies, you know, feet first is letting your actually getting your body to move and feeling things and getting all those new movement patterns. And we hear over and over and over from people who, once they do that, start just getting sort of in, not in, inherently, that's not the word I'm looking for, intrinsically motivated to just do something else. My favorite version of this actually was not even from a zero shoes person, but there's a doctor in Brazil named uh, Isabel Sacco who put minimalist footwear on a bunch of elderly women and just said, you know, wear these, and let's see what happens basically. And what she found, one thing was their knee osteoarthritis 
was either uh, eliminated or uh, gre- greatly improved. But a bunch of these women who had had mobility issues up until that point, who then suddenly started getting more mobility after they started using their feet, yeah. some of them got interested in running 5K races. Right. Some of them got interested. I mean, they just they suddenly had this new idea, this new sense of possibility to do new things just because they got their feet moving more, which uh, is just one of my favorites. Yeah, that's the perfect recipe, really. You, your shoe helps improve natural movement. So then people are feeling better because they are using movement more. And then they're like, oh, I want to do something fun. <laughs> and then keep yeah. doing a greater variety of movement. And it just creates a kind of a ball rolling downhill kind of thing. <laughs> well, or whatever the, the effortless version of a ball rolling uphill would be. We'll have to figure out. We have to yeah. find the right metaphor for that. Well, so Bart, is there anything else that you want to share with, uh, with bipeds about just things to pay attention to or anything about what you're doing before we pitch you again and tell people where to find out more? Oh, yeah. Just that, the, you know, the idea is to just that this, that the body is really the genius, right? The body, our bodies are absolutely amazing in what we do. And to point them in the right direction doesn't really have to be that complicated. So mm. sometimes the simplest solutions can be the most effective, just like you were saying with your footwear, allow the foot to do what it wants to do. And, and similarly with what I teach people, it can be really simple and easy to practice this stuff. The key thing is just that consistency. If you have the motivation, the reason why, and you're willing to just practice a little bit every day, and like what I teach people is a total non-workout. You could do it in the office or at home. You could practice in your pajamas, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to, it could be totally easy, but you can get dramatically better body function and benefit throughout your lifetime. It doesn't have to be hard or complicated. And the consistency is a really interesting piece. And one of the challenges because we do like variety. I mean, I, as I'm doing this kettlebell thing, I'm thinking I'm continually reminded of the first time I did a more intensive weightlifting program this is when I was in high school, when I was a gymnast. Yeah. and the first month was just kind of getting used to the movements. The second month was improving. And it was the third month where I actually started seeing the real benefits. I have no idea you know, if it's that same three-month schedule now that I'm three times that age but or more than that. Suffice it to say, I think people, they often expect certain kinds of changes more quickly than bodies and minds are actually able to change. Uh-huh. And getting over that little hump until you start to really... When, when things really start to work well, things improve exponentially, but it takes, you know, it's like, it's, or I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this. It's like, it takes a little while for things to ramp up, but then the more they do, the more they do. So it's, it, it does get a little exponential at a certain point yeah. then it plateaus, but suffice it to say the consistency, I think is something that I want to emphasize because many people, and I just feel that in myself that sometimes it's really hard. Like after the six to eight week mark, I can feel my brain going, eh, I wonder if there's some other thing that I could. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and that makes sense. I've seen that with lots of people. And like I say, sometimes people just come to me for pain issues. And once they get better, then they're like, oh, I'm fixed. I don't have to practice anything anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. I'm, I'm good. I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, and that goes back to what you're saying about just the different, the lifestyle we have now where we're not engaging in all these different movements all the time for good reasons. And that's the other point. I made this, I made this argument against somebody who was all about natural movement things and was trying to create a, or created a program that was supposed to be more about 
the kind of things that we did a hundred or a thousand or however many years ago. Uh-huh. And I said, it's not the same as going out for 20 minutes and you know doing pull-ups on a tree as it is walking down to the river and bring back bricks or rocks that you're going to use to build a home just for hours and hours and hours for days and days and days. We just literally can't really simulate the way these things originally worked because we're just not, we're just not living in that world anymore. We're doing kind of the best we can, but of course that brings back to, because back to the consistency point, we used to do this stuff all day, every day, because it's what we needed to live. And now if, uh, you know, I hope people can find a thing where they recognize the value of it and keep doing that all day, every day, not all day, but every day as if it was something you needed to, to, to do to live. And, but mostly now, you know, it has to be motivated by enjoyment because it's not motivated by necessity. Yeah. And, and those are the people I'm seeing like who learn this Jiffy body system who want to keep going. Generally, they'll feel better really quickly just by going through it even one or two times. And as long as there's a payoff consistently, yeah. then that creates that motivation to keep going. Those are the people that have success and just use it <laughs> for years, yeah. you know, and, but there's, there definitely has to be a payoff. Either it gets you out so you can do what you love to do, or you feel better right away. You notice, you know, something that's working pretty quickly. That's <laughs> so. great. Well, Bart, thank you so much for all of this. So once again, here, I'll just do it for people who want to find you, jiffybody.com, J-I-F-F-Y-B-O-D-Y.com. Yeah. Is there any anywhere else that people should look for you or anything you're doing? Uh, that's it primarily. That's where I focus on. I mean, I have a you know Facebook business page with the same name, and but generally right. I put out free information through the website. If someone wants to email me, Bart at jiffybody.com. I'll send them a free practice plan so they can try some of this oh. stuff out. Yeah, I have one uh, for, it's called Sitting Break Better Posture Practice. And it just will teach you four <laughs> practice positions you can use that you could use at the office or whatever, wherever to create that better muscle balance, practice a little joint range of motion. And you'll feel better right away after you've been you know sitting for a long time. So. Oh, that's great. You surprised me with something I didn't know you had. So I hope do, people do take advantage of that and drop Bart an email and go to his website. Bart, once again, thank you so much, not only for this, but also your, your support over the years. For everybody else, if you want to find out more about what we're doing here with the podcast, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. And that's where you can find previous episodes and all the different ways to interact with the content, all the different places that we're posting. You can leave reviews, you can do you know all those things you know how to do. Again, like, like and thumbs up and hit the bell on YouTube. And um, like I said, leave reviews, et cetera. If you have any questions for me or any recommendations, anyone you think you should that should be on the show or anyone who you think vehemently disagrees with me who should be on the show, that'd be fun. <laughs> Drop me an email to at move at jointhemovementmovement.com. And most importantly, as always, go out, have fun, and live life feet first. You've been listening to the Movement Movement Podcast with host Stephen Sashin. Remember to join the tribe and subscribe at jointhemovementmovement.com.